Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org slash match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, it's our monthly news roundtable, and we're talking to reporters who are telling some of the most important stories in our state. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. And we're also grateful for the support of the Florida Department of Health. If you or a loved one need information about medical marijuana, the Florida Department of Health provides resources on qualifying medical conditions, physicians, and approved treatment centers at flhealth.gov OMMU. William March is a longtime political reporter and correspondent for the Tampa Bay Times. Hi, William. Hi, Robin. And Mary Shedden is the news director of WUSF Public Media. Hey, Robin. Hey, Mary. So I'm not hearing much about Donald Trump from any of the state candidates so far. I thought we'd be hearing a lot more from the Democrats. Well, we're certainly hearing some from the Democrats, but a lot of Democrats are worried that if they turn their campaign into simply an anti-Trump campaign, it won't be successful in November. Um, On the Republican side, some candidates don't want to talk about him. Rick Scott, for example, does not mention Donald Trump in his uh, stump speeches, even though he's well-perceived, accurately perceived as a close ally of Trump. More on the local front. So Susan Valdez, this is an interesting race. She is leaving the the, uh, Hillsborough County School Board to run for a House seat, a, a safe Democrat seat. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Well, the uh, she's entering a primary there that has, uh, with two other already filed candidates. And Valdez may be the front runner. After four terms on the school board, she's got significantly more name recognition. Than Who are the, the other two? Well, the other two are a construction company executive named Michael Alvarez and a, uh, a political activist named Chris Kano. Now, both of those guys have been active within the, the local Democratic Party. Kano is probably best known as a marijuana rights uh, right. advocate. Uh, but neither can compare in name recognition, at least, to Susan Valdez. So you might be tempted to say that she's the big dog in that race, that, um, uh, that she's the front runner, but there is likely to be, or there, there could be, a significant primary battle. Um, Valdez has made some, uh, during her time on the school board, uh, Valdez has made some, uh, had some friction with some important Democratic constituencies, including the teachers' union. Uh, she's developed, rightly or wrongly, a reputation as an ally of charter schools as opposed to public schools. 
And this will... Um, she had a lot to do with the firing of the last superintendent, Mary Ellen yes, yes, and that, um, that situation roiled the school board for months. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and there's been a lot of fractiousness on the board. Uh, so Valdez comes into the race as possibly the front runner, but could well face a, uh, a real primary fight. And she's already taking heat from Michael Alvarez over the way that she got into the race, uh, which is, is sort of a complicated situation. As a member of the school board, Valdez was required to file what's known as a resign to run letter in order to run for the House seat. According to uh, the county attorney, Mary Helen Ferris, and to officials of the local, the Hillsborough County Election Supervisor's Office, that letter had to be filed by the close of business on Friday, June 8th, close at the end of the business day, 5 p.m. Valdez's campaign manager did not get it filed by that time. So she ended up sending it by email to the election supervisor, Craig Latimer, at about 7.30 that night. The elections office made the decision to accept the letter as valid. Uh, A spokeswoman for the elections office says that they did that on advice from the State Division of Elections. But uh, Alvarez is claiming that the rules were bent to allow Valdez into this race that she shouldn't have been allowed in uh, and that she used a mechanism that, that wouldn't have been open, shouldn't have been open to other candidates. So her race is starting off with controversy. Alvarez, uh, at least, is obviously not going to just sit back in this race. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this race in that it's kind of setting up some dominoes in local politics. You've got, now you've got a school board seat open. You've got people jumping into house seats. And Wendy, does this, is this shifting kind of the complexion of local politics or is it just a couple of new names in a couple of new places? Well, one thing it'll do is it'll put four school board seats on the uh, 2018 ballot. So you're going to definitely see a change in the constitution of the school board one way or another. Um, the various and shifting alliances and hostilities that are developed on that board will be drastically revised. It's way too complicated to even start trying to go into exactly how. But the, uh, that will change. Um, um, Valdez will have the support in this race of the outgoing House member from that seat, Janet Cruz, who's running for state Senate seat, and also of one previous occupant of that seat, uh, and that is uh, Hillsborough County property appraiser Bob Henriquez, who was a, a, a former holder of that House seat. Uh, but there, is, there has been a lot of scrambling and shuffling among uh, local offices, particularly legislative offices, and there could well be some more before qualifying ends. And you said this House seat is a pretty strong Democratic seat. So regardless of what happens here in this district, it's not going to really affect the tenor or the makeup in Tallahassee, which is such a supermajority Republican House. Th- that's right. It won't have any effect on the balance of power. The only question will be who becomes this dominant political figure on the West Tampa political scene. Closer race maybe for the governor's seat. 
Let's talk about you've been following the Democratic gubernatorial candidates debates uh, pretty closely. And what were some of the more interesting uh, back and forth that you saw there? Well, a couple of things. One is there's been some enmity developed between Gwen Graham and Andrew Gillum. And I suspect that that's at least in part because they both share the same political base in Tallahassee. They, they're both from Tallahassee. Uh, that's where Gwen Graham's congressional seat was based, and it's also Gillum is mayor of Tallahassee. So sharing the sharing the same base means that pretty much makes them natural opponents. Um, the and a super PAC, an out-of-state super PAC that backs black candidates, has run an ad, a really hard-hitting negative attack ad, against Gwen Graham. Graham's campaign has actually asked TV stations to pull the ad down. I don't know if there's been a, a resolution. What's the gist of, that. of it? Well, it attacks her for not being progressive enough. It, it among its contentions uh, is that she voted against Barack Obama 52 percent of the time while she was serving as a Democrat in Congress. That's not quite true. Uh, she did cast a number of independent maverick votes. In some cases, was. Uh, one of only a few Democrats voting on the Republican side of an issue. Uh, but that figure takes into account only her first year in the office, not her second year, uh, when she voted with the Democratic side and with the president much more often. But that ad could be bringing in some independents or moderate Republicans over to her camp. So it could have some unintended consequences. Right. And isn't she the most moderate of the four Democratic candidates already? Well, I think you would probably say that she and Levine are the two most moderate or, or most toward the conservative side of the spectrum. Uh, and again, I think what you're seeing is that she and Levine are both running as, as the two likely front runners in this primary. They're both running for the general election, whereas Gillum and King are fighting to, to get support uh, from the Democratic base in the hope of having a better shot at the nomination. So um, that's what's happening. And um, uh, Graham is shooting back at Andrew Gillum over his environmental record. Uh, King is saying neither of the two are liberal enough to be the Democratic nominee. Uh, King is actually defending Andrew Gillum. And there's an interesting little, little point. Why would King be defending Andrew Gillum? Well, because he perceives Gillum as the anti-Graham. Uh, and Graham and Levine are the two front runners. It's like a, it's like an episode of Survivor. It actually, it, it, well, Isn't that's it? exactly what it's like. That's politics. <laughs> it is politics, and and uh, that's what Survivor is about exactly. at a much smaller scale. Well, um, thank you. I'm going to wrap it up there. It has been a lot of fun. Mary Shedden is the news director for WUSF Public Media. Thanks, Mary. Sure. William March, longtime political reporter. Thanks, William. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us and listen to Florida Matters on the radio Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. You can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher.